0: Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name is Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Grace Story Podcast. And as always, thank you so much for joining in. Without you, this, uh, this podcast and each episode, um, it's just me talking into a mic. So thank you for joining in. I think we have a good one for you today. It's kind of a, a follow-up on an episode we had, episode 12 with Drew Boa, where he talked about, um, well, we titled it Behind the Scenes of Pornography Addiction, um, and, and we gave away his book there. We're gonna be giving away a book again. This time it's called Fight for Love. Um, we had some people ask about uh, maybe a follow-up on that episode from the perspective of what to do if you are the spouse, the significant other, the partner um, in the relationship where an individual may be battling a pornography addiction. So I asked Drew Boa who who might be good for that. um, And he mentioned a a author by the name of Rosie McKinney. Uh, So I messaged Rosie and she uh, graciously agreed to come on a great story podcast. She is the author of fight for love, how to take your marriage back from porn. She's a speaker and a podcaster about 10 years ago. She entered into a fight against her husband's, uh, porn use through that journey came a thriving recovery community out on the central coast of California that her husband, who is now a certified sexual addiction therapist helps supervise. Uh, Rosie is the founder of Fight for Love Ministries, which empowers women with both the facts and the faith to fight against porn addiction and its effects on them, their spouses, and their families. Uh, You can connect with her by clicking in the show notes, uh, fightforloveministries.org. At that website, you can find her podcast, links to her book, um, and much, much more. So now that you know who she is a little bit more about her, let's jump right into that conversation with Rosie McKinney. All right, Rosie. um, First of all, there's a connection. My daughter's name is Rosie. So um, it's hard to find, you know, a lot of people named that. So I love your first name. I feel like I know you already. But um, you wrote a book called Fight for Love. We did a podcast with Drew Boa um, a couple episodes ago. And, um, you know, he recommended we talk to you about a different side of his topic. Can you tell us maybe where the inspiration for Fight for Love came out of?
1: Absolutely, my pleasure. Well, it's so good to be talking to you this foggy, foggy day. Um, Yeah, the inspiration. This was a book that, if I'm honest, I was kind of waiting for someone else to write. Someone famous, someone with a big platform. Because this was the book that I desperately felt needed to be written, but it but it wasn't there. So it was like, well, I'll start writing it, and you know, um, because there's a huge gap between women who are um, in relationships where porn is present, and they're sort of feeling in their gut that they don't like this. There's something wrong. Um, maybe they they know it's an addiction, and they've tried to confront their partners, but their partner's not receptive, or maybe their partner is receptive, but it's not, and he's in recovery, but it's not working. There's sort of a big gap between that moment of sort of like, well, porn's an issue, maybe, maybe it isn't that sort of confusion and also getting into serious recovery and people normally get into recovery, um, you know, 12 step groups or with a counselor when they're in crisis, when everything has gone wrong and the, you know, they are desperate. So I felt there was something in the middle to actually um, speed up the process of wives or girlfriends actually understanding what pornography was actually doing to the relationship, what it was doing to their partner's brains, what it was doing to them, as in traumatizing them, um, and the relationship, and uh, just speeding up that process so they didn't have to learn it the hard way. Hmm. So they could learn this through education, not experientially. Um, So we're all about, early intervention. Let's give them the information so they don't have to get to that point of crisis management.
0: So you you talk in the book a little bit about your story along with that, Um, but I love one of the phrases you use for that process of recovery and restoration. You talk about it as going down the rabbit hole of recovery, Yes, which is just an intense phrase. Um, Can you talk maybe about your story as much as you'd like to share and, and how it relates to that rabbit hole of recovery where that comes from
1: it really does feel like a rabbit hole that you haven't even stumbled down you have been flung down so and you are literally tumbling because you are so confused and so um so traumatized you feel betrayed and yet the world is telling you that actually this is not a big deal Why are you so upset about this pornography is beneficial to relationships. It's healthy. It spices things up. It can actually be empowering for women. It can be liberating. Um, what's your problem. And yet here you are absolutely devastated that your husband or your boyfriend or your fiance is choosing to, um, well, in your mind, choosing to spend his time obsessing and fantasizing to, uh, you know, these pornographic images and, so you're so conflicted and you're like, okay, so what do I do? So you, you know, you look at the world and the world gives you messages of like, well, just do it with him. You, if you compete, you can possibly win him over. So you try this. And so women spend years and, you know, thousands of dollars and to try and become what they think their partners are are wanting. Um, So there's that way and that doesn't work. It's completely ineffective. It just does not work. You cannot compete with it. It's a completely different experience. We can get into the, you know, the neurochemistry behind why it doesn't work later, if you like. So that's the message from the world. And then you go to the church and the church says, well, you have to understand that this is every man's battle. You have to understand that um, the way to help your husband overcome his temptation is if you become more sexually available. So it's kind of the same message, really. Um, you need to be more um, understanding. That's where your great strength comes. It comes from being understanding of the struggle. So be more graceful, more forgiving, because then he will feel so stable and loved that he won't need to do this. And again, that's not the right advice. So you've been trying all these strategies And you're just so confused. So you feel like you're tumbling and things are getting worse because the more you try these strategies, the more you bury your own God-given instincts, which are screaming, no, I don't want this. I want this to stop. And everyone's saying, well, no, actually, can you accommodate this? Can you overlook this? Can you compete with this? Every time you try and do those things, you actually become further traumatized because you know that you're killing something inside of yourself every time you try and do something which is... I believe is going against what the Holy Spirit is is telling you to do, which is to stand up and say enough. This is not going to be part of our. This is not going to be part of our um, of our marriage. This is not part of the covenant that we made. And so, basically, when you hit the bottom of the rabbit hole, that's the moment when you go enough. That's the moment when you go enough. And I want to shorten that rabbit hole, that falling, that process, by going at the top and saying. You don't have to go down the rabbit hole you can actually say enough right now so you don't have to have that horrible horrendous scary free-falling journey so that's that's where i'm coming from
0: there's first of all there's so much in this book we were talking in the pre-show and i was telling you as I, i as i read through it um there's something on just about everything you might need in your toolkit to at least start the journey of restoration wherever you may be. Um, A lot of scripture, uh, biblically based models in there to help you follow. And one of the things um, in in the section on the faithful response, which I, I love that title for that section. One of the things you touch on is this biblical model of submission. And kind of based off of what you just said, that can be twisted for some individuals. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of give a look into that part of your book on submission and maybe clear that up for some people who have had that twisted for them and feel like they have to do what they're told and obey in order to submit faithfully.
1: Yeah not only are you told it but quite often it's we tell ourselves because you know, wives are trying really hard to fix their marriages and they want to be faithful wives and they want to be God-honoring wives. And so they really, really want to do the right thing. And so, you know, they look to the, you know, the marriage advice out there. And a lot of it is, uh, you know, focuses on submission, which in its rightful place is God-honoring and a good thing. However, when you have a God's a husband who is not obeying God, when he is being disobedient, your, you cannot submit to his wishes, um, above and beyond submitting to God. And so I think this is where it's like a light bulb goes on to, for wives. When you actually say your first and foremost submission is always to God. And that is going to keep you on the straight and narrow path so that when you are with a husband and he is being disobedient and he is going down a different hole, it's not your job to enable him or condone him or stand on the side. It's actually your job to keep yourself pure. He might be polluting the marriage, but it's your job to keep yourself pure. And that might mean putting those hard boundaries. It might be doing difficult things. Like if he's been watching porn, you might not want to be sexual with him. You certainly won't on an emotional level, but actually when in marriage to become one, and there's no way that if he's filling his mind full of pornographic images, he's not taking that into your into your sexual union, wives know that on a gut level. And they say, I don't know where he is, but he's not here with me. They know that. And so the way that I believe God speaks to guys, and this comes through experience for for many, many years from working with wives myself, but also from my husband, who's a certified sexual addiction therapist. The reason that guys get into recovery, serious recovery is when their wives draw that firm line in the sand. Is when they stand up and they put a boundary. So I believe God is using our voice as, as, you know, speaking words of light and truth and hope to him saying a porn-free marriage is possible. And I know that you don't believe it at the moment. You don't believe that there's a way out of this because in your experience, you've tried. You've tried a hundred times to give up and you can't but I'm telling you with God, anything is possible. And I've heard this podcast, I've read this book and I know it's possible when we walk hundred percent in the light and rigorous honesty is hard, but it is the way out of this. And I want our marriage to work and I want you to be free. And I want us to be everything that God has created us to be, but it, it starts now and it starts with that firm line. So, so that's how I believe that when we We need to follow the Bible, and the Bible is very clear about sexual immorality. You know, he puts boundaries around our sexual behavior for our own good. He's not being punitive or punishing or mean. It's to protect us. And so when uh, a guy is in bondage and, you know, being addicted to pornography is literal bondage. Your brain has been hijacked by this highly toxic, uh, supernormal stimulus he can't get out he needs help he's drowning and you as the partner are possibly the only one who knows that he's drowning and you are also the most influential one in his life so if you say this is not going to be part of our marriage he's going to listen because he loves you he, he you know he, <laughs> yes he might be addicted to porn but he loves you and he doesn't want to lose you and that is the tipping point when guys go okay i'll i'll try this path now i will i will you know do what you say Because the thing about recovery is you can't think your way out of recovery. You can't understand your way out of recovery. You have to do recovery. And that's taking actions that are contrary to what you wanna do. So you have to pick up the phone and make an accountability call when you don't want to. You have to go to a group when you don't want to. You have to tell the whole truth about your behavior, past, present, going forward. When you don't want to, those are the actions of recovery. And no one wants to do that.
0: Well, I think that goes to your title of, I mean, it's a fight for love. Uh, that eventually you can have things in your toolkit where it doesn't have to be that battle that you're just facing every day. We're gonna, uh, I, I command myself not to do that. I mean, it's just not gonna work. Um,
1: exactly, exactly. And that's, I loved my conversation with Drew, Drew Boa, on his, um, because we were talking about um, how so often in the church we kind of get it backwards in that. We talk about wives and spouses as victims and they're in prison. Um, And yet the guys have got to be heroic and courageous and stand up and say no to porn and be, you know, really heroic. And we're going, it's the wrong way round. We've got it all flipped on its head. It's actually the guys are in prison. They're the ones who are being, you know, completely shackled by this demonic uh, bondage. And the wives are the ones who have to be really courageous and stand up and be warriors and go enough. I am going to, I'm going to be really going to do this tough love r- right now, even though I don't want to because I want to feel close to you. I want to support you. I want to be there for you in every way. But actually, the way that I love you right now is by standing up and saying enough.
0: Your your passion for this is is very evident. I mean, you've been doing this for a, a decade mm-hmm. um, in some form or another and, and helping so many people. But where, where does that courage come from to talk about such a taboo subject. I mean, it still is uh, something that would have a stigma attached to it in some ways. Like you don't just like, you know, go somewhere and and just flippantly say, hi, my name's N- I'm, I'm a recovering <laughs> porn addict. Like It's not just okay. Uh, yeah. Where do you find the courage to just, you know, write the book and, and, and go on podcasts and talk about something like this? Well,
1: if I'm completely honest, Nate, about what, how long have we been talking now? So we've been talking for like 25 minutes. So I'd say 30 minutes ago, I'm sitting here going, I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna do this. And that's the reality and I take great comfort. I, I don't feel like that now, now I'm enjoying it and now I'm back in the flow Good. and it's like, yay, Good. we're doing this. Um, but I take great comfort in the fact that everybody that God uses, they don't wanna do it. Gideon didn't wanna do it, you know? If you just look, you know, Jonah certainly didn't wanna do it. Right. Right. Um. And I, and I do smile, you know, sort of wryly in, at church when we're singing those, you know, I surrender, use me, Lord, use me. And I'm like, you really want to think this through before you start <laughs> singing that? Because um, it's hard being transparent and vulnerable in a judgmental world is really, really hard. And basing my worth on what Jesus has done for me rather than what others think of me is a constant struggle. So I'd say... It's just, it's just an act of faith and the blessings that I get out the back of this, like with our support group, and I see the progress in women who are coming out of the shadows and I hear the stories of how their husbands are changing and their lives are changing. It's all, it's all worth it, but the courage is needed on a daily basis. It's needed on a, you know, and it's not even, it just feels like a step of obedience. You know, I, I once had this wonderful quote that said to know and not to act is not to know. So, you know, I, I, this is the path that I have been, you know, put on. And if I look back, I mean, everything led to this point from doing, I mean, everything in, in my life, sort of like career wise or hobby wise from amateur dramatics to, you know, video editing, it, it, to writing, it it all, it's like, wow, this is what it was all leading up to. Um, And the fact that I am an introvert and the fact that I find it very difficult to, you know, engage in small talk uh, is like, I am the wrong person for this job. (laughs) I am so the wrong person, but I'm just, uh, I'm just believing that God can work through this fumbly bumbly broken voice piece and speak light and truth because that gives him the glory not me because this is not me and I don't have a flashy Instagram page and I haven't got an aspirational lifestyle that people want to emulate you know um but the other thing that I love is that um when I feel sort of like awkward or out on a limb everybody that I know who I truly think is spirit-filled and doing good work they're all a bit odd and they're all a bit quirky (laughs)
0: <laughs> it takes the pressure off. Uh, you're right. If if you hand it over to God, whatever it may be, your ministry, your your problem, you know, and say, "Hey, you got this," it, it kind of takes the responsibility away. In a way, I mean, it's not going to solve everything, ride. but it's it's, it's exciting.
1: Yeah. I don't know how you find this, but you know, you you get in the flow and do what you're supposed to be doing, and stuff happens, and you meet amazing people.
0: Now, I love asking that question or a form of that question because. Yeah. At Grace Story, we're all about the story and God redeeming your story through his grace and and finding people who are experts merely because of their story um, and then have taken it to a whole nother level. Um, man, it's awesome because it's just it's offering hope to others who are you know, in that situation in real time um, and offering that lifeline. I love it. Uh, speaking of those people, um, You know, we talk about the ministry or whatever for a while, but I'm sure we have some people who are listening in and might be thinking, um, well, my spouse, I'm not sure I have my doubts or maybe I suspect, or how do you, if you suspect your spouse may be dealing or in bondage and you want to help them, um, you want to have transparency, honesty, and a two-way communication about this. And do it as, you know, a couple. Um, how do you find out in a tactful way if that person is struggling with an addiction like this or or a viewing problem like this?
1: Okay, so there are red flags inside the bedroom, as most people would expect, um, but they're also outside the bedroom. So, But let's start inside the bedroom first because they're not all obvious. 50% of people who are addicted to pornography, they become hypersexual, and that sort of makes sense. You know, the more you watch, the more hypersexual you become. And this is why some people go, well, I'm just highly sexed. You know, it's, you know, I, I need to do this. Okay. It, it can makes them more, um, m- more hypersexual. They want to have more sex. They want to imitate the stuff they've done. They, they often coerce their partners into doing things that make them feel uncomfortable. They go that way. And that make that kind of makes sense. So you could kind of think, "Whoa, you know, what's happened to him? However, what people don't know is that the other half of guys, they become sexually avoidant. Mm. They've actually conditioned their brain to prefer pornography, watching pornography to actually having sex with a real person. And this is devastating, absolutely devastating to the partners because it's really hard to get your head around the fact that he no longer wants to be sexual with me. He, he would rather do that. It must be me. It must be some sort of reflection on me, which is why they then go into sort of supercharge mode trying to compete with it. Because if I'm the cause of his looking at it, then I can... Obviously, fix this if I just change myself. Just
0: a losing battle over and it's over. An
1: utter losing battle. So, I have never spoken to a wife who went, um, No, everything was fine in the bedroom. So, wives or women always know, you know, they went, Oh, I just don't like the idea of it in a sort of theoretical way, but it didn't really affect us. You know, that just doesn't happen. So, you're going to notice something is off either one way or the other way. But there are other things outside the bedroom because You know, this has literally hijacked your brain. It lowers your baseline of happiness so that nothing in your life now competes with the high that you can get from pornography. So things that used to bring you pleasure no longer do. And this is why um, addicts, you know, you see this in other aspects of, you know, other areas of addiction, but the same applies to pornography too. Addicts apply, uh, appear um, distracted and bored and lethargic and lackluster and things that used to bring them pleasure, hobbies and interests, they just, you know, they just no longer appeal. and And this is because um, they now need a hit of their drug to actually get to a baseline normal. Not even that the high that they're addicted to; they actually need to get the drug. But the thing is about the drug that they're. Um, they're using and this is a you know it's a process addiction you're not ingesting or smoking or anything this is the chemicals that are released in your head when you actually do this activity um you you develop tolerance so it loses its potency so you need to either increase the amount of pornography that you're doing or you need to click on something a bit stronger something a bit more novel a bit more taboo a little bit more dangerous a little bit more out there and this is how people get in way in over their heads it's not that they're seeking this stuff it's that they are driven to, um, seek this high that they're addicted to. And the only way they can get it is by, is by pursuing this harder, darker material. Anyway, I've got myself off track there. What were we talking about? Okay. Red flags. <laughs> so, um, uh, red flags. So yes, they, they might appear withdrawn or they might go the other way and they might be more angry. They might be more critical. They might be more resentful. They might be, you know, picking up on any little thing, thing you do because, um, sometimes Uh, and I've confirmed this with my husband um, guys actually do believe that their wives or girlfriends are the problem. They actually do think that. So when they're saying it's you, you know, it's your fault, they're not just making it up. They actually do think it is your fault and it's not their brains have been addled. So, um, and then there are other sort of red flags, things like why is he staying up late all the time? Why does it take him 40 minutes extra to come home? You know, you know, why does he take those you know 30 minute showers there's just unaccounted for periods of time and there's something inside you your spidey sense going hmm you know something doesn't feel right and i would just say to say to wives say to women trust your instincts that is the holy spirit speaking to you something is wrong there is something amiss he is struggling with something and you are picking this up and it's hard it's hard to take yourself out of that and realize that This isn't just an attack on you. And that's why it's so important that we get this information to women and that they start to understand what's going on inside the guy's brain, because that makes it less personal so that you can actually take effective action. So there are some of the red flags. But how do you start the conversation? Well, I would say, throw me and Nate under the bus. Say, I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about...
0: We'll take the hit. Perfect. We'll take the hit.
1: You know... Say I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about pornography addiction and, and what it does. And I've realized we've never really had this conversation. So, um, when was the last time you looked at pornography? Because I wouldn't ask if, because in their mi- mind, it's like, or, or do you struggle? Because in their minds they could go, well, I haven't looked at it for a month. I'm not struggling. Mm. So in order to actually get some data that's useful, I'd say, you know, when, when and how often and, and come at it from a, you know, Non-judgmental point of view, like I'm not trying to trap you, um, but I've been reading about the effect that it has on relationships, and we've never really talked about this. And you know, statistically, I'd be very surprised if you're never looking at it. You know, can we just have that conversation? Because you know, two become one. We are in this together, and uh, you know, I've been noticing that some things are off. And you know, can we just start that conversation?
0: So after you drop that bomb and throw, uh, you know, the the, the podcast under the bus, which is awesome because you can just like, oh, well, yeah, they good. We're good. So they may reply yesterday, today, last week, last month. Um, What's the follow up to that? Like, what do you go with next? Because I mean, that's a great start. Um, but then when if it's like, no, I don't I ha- I don't have that issue. Great. But if it does come out that, hey, there's something in, in our marriage here that just we, we need to work on together. Um, I, where does it go from we've identified that it is an issue?
1: Um, is the guy receptive or not?
0: I don't know. We'll, we'll <laughs> say, worst case scenario, he doesn't break down and say, Yes, I would love to work on this with you. Maybe it's, um, yeah, I, I, I viewed it a, a month ago, a week ago, uh, but I don't really have a problem. Um, I can stop anytime I want. Type okay. Thing.
1: Well, I, if he can, if he says, well, this is the thing. Um, some guys can stop. Not everybody's addicted. Just because you watch it doesn't mean you're addicted. It's like you can have a you know a casual drink. Um, it doesn't make you an alcoholic. However, the difference with using the alcohol analogy is that all porn is toxic. They did studies um, where they showed a control group. Um, mild pornography for one hour a week for six weeks and then they interviewed them about their partner's um, attractiveness, sexual performance and general satisfaction with their partner and the levels um, decreased in every case. So even that small amount of porn is poisoning your relationship and making them view you differently. And the thing is about pornography, it's Pornography is not the problem. Pornography is a solution to a deeper problem. This is an intimacy disorder. So if pornography is an issue, there are going to be things that you're not happy with in your emotional um, intimacy in that, in that part of your life. And so you could even come at it from that point and say, you know, things are off. We're not connecting. I want us to explore whether this is an issue. And if they, if he's saying he can stop, we'll say, well, stop then. <laughs> just stop it (laughs) you know i mean if he needs if he's like well this isn't you know this this is not a problem there is so much literature out there there's a little bit in my book about why pornography is bad but there are there is so much good literature out there about you know why it is harmful to your brain why it is harmful to your relationships and also what it is and what you know exploitation is actually going on i mean this is I mean, if they're a Christian, you're onto a, you know, it, it's, it's much easier because you can just go biblically. But even from a sort of humanitarian point of view, there is no way that anybody can view pornography as healthy or respectful or safe.
0: Okay, so this is is a lot. Um, I mean, this is like an action item of all action items to send a listener to to, to go do to strengthen their marriage. But before someone does something like that, um, what 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 can they do to to leading up to that the timing of it and and strengthening uh, you know their relationship maybe what what does that look like leading up to a conversation or should you just drop the bomb what does that look like
1: I'm so glad you asked that so there are there are things that you can do before you have that conversation because you need to be really strengthened, you need to be really resolved. You need to be educated. You need to be equipped, empowered, encouraged all those things before you have that conversation, because it's so important and you want to have your attitude straight so that you don't come across full of fear. Like I heard this podcast and they said, pornography is going to ruin my relationship and it's, and it's addling your brain. And I'm, you know, I'm freaked out. I need you to tell me that you never do it, you know, and, and he's sitting there going, well, there's no, way I'm going to tell you now, <laughs> you know, you're crazy. Crazy woman, calm down. So you need to, uh, if you can, if you can, if you can do this early event, if you're doing crisis management, like your, your marriage is, you know, disintegrated and all bets are off at that point. You just have to draw a firm line in the sand. But if you can educate and empower yourself with the facts and the faith to do this in a calm, firm, proactive, kind, loving way. And so the ways that I would suggest you do that are listen to the podcast and buy the book and get into our community because we answer all those questions that you have at this stage, this early stage of confusion, trying to work out what is going on in your relationship in correlation to what the world is telling you. So all those questions you have, like, is it my fault? Is um, a porn-free marriage possible? Um, Why does he do it even though he knows I hate it? Can I ever trust him again? is there any hope? All those, you know, are my kids safe? All those sort of, you know, questions that basically freak us out and, you know, send us to a a really uh, dark place. We want to come along uh, uh, beside you, surround you and give you the answers and, and show you that you're not alone and that you're not fighting this battle on your own. Because once you realize that there is a whole movement of women fighting this battle secretly in their marriages um it just gives you that resolve it gives you that that conviction and that strength to actually hold the line they we're not going to have pornography as part of our marriage this is not helping this is not what god designed this is going to get in the way of achieving everything that we want to achieve um because it's hard to hold that line because your husband or partner is you you know consciously or not consciously going to be resistant you know your friends and family may be resistant the church might be not deliberately but sort of you know just through miseducation sort of not on quite on the same page the world is certainly not on your page you need some people in your corner because it's hard and that's what is happening in our community and that's why if you listen to our podcast we've got a panel of women we're just ordinary women you know, who have fought really hard and got pornography out of our marriages. And it gives you a taste of what recovery is going to look like, what it feels like. And you, you know, you hear the women laughing and you hear them crying and it's just real. And I'm hoping that it's attractive and enticing. And so the women go, there's somewhere that I feel I might be able to breathe. I can actually put down this heavy, heavy burden I'm carrying that nobody knows what's really going on in my marriage. Nobody really knows what's going on inside my bedroom, but I have to live with this every day. And I have to, uh, you know, I can't carry this on my own. So I want you to get into that, that healthy support group. And educate yourself with the faith and the facts. So when he goes, this isn't hurting anybody, you go, really? Okay. Let me tell you da, 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 da or here's a podcast. I mean, we've done it all for you. You know, last week I got my husband on there and we did a 15 minute. I said, right. You've got 15 minutes. Tell a guy who doesn't want to change everything you want to tell him in 15 minutes, be unfiltered go <laughs> because you know, the women said, I, I don't know where to start in this conversation. I said, oh, don't worry. We'll do it for you. You know, there are resources out there. There are fantastic organizations like fight the new drug. You know, your brain on porn, who will do the hard work for you. You don't need to convince him. All you need to do is stand. And isn't that biblical? Isn't that all we need to do? All we need to do is stand. And that's what brings me great peace and hope that God is going to do everything else. All you need to do is stand.
0: the, The ministry you're talking about is fight for love ministry. Yes, um, and and we'll put the connections to that in the show notes. We're actually going to be giving away a copy of your book as well, but people can go um, on Amazon and, and purchase that "Fight for Love" with Rosie McKinney. Um, but isn't it so odd? I'm listening to while you're while you're talking. There's a community for this. It's a pervasive issue. Um, we understand the science behind it, um, but still, let's not talk about it. Um, it's just something that that we know it's there. It's the very definition of a taboo. Like we know it's there. It's something, but we're not going to address it. And it's so much of something, it, it's something that needs addressed so critically. And you mentioned the church um, within that. and and you you mentioned that in your book as well. In fact, you you talk about the church needing God's intervention, which is a powerful statement. Uh, when you're talking about the church. Um, so can you can you share maybe your concerns on on that topic and what you mean by, uh, uh, or at least how why you felt that you needed to address that in the book?
1: The porn crisis is a threat of Goliath proportions. And these aren't my words. This is Josh McDowell in, I think it was 2016, spent $300,000 to commission the largest study of pornography using the American church. And he, he's got the data and it's quite staggering. He said that 79% of guys who attend evangelical church regularly look at porn. In terms of married guys, 55% of married guys. So that's over half of marriages. And when we think that divorce lawyers, the association of matrimonial lawyers, um, came forward and said that in, I think it was 64% of divorces, obsessive, Um, pornography use is cited as a contributing factor we have annually half a million divorces directly citing pornography obsessive pornography use this is huge this is the this is i mean josh josh McDowell says it's this is the greatest threat to the cause of christ and we're not talking about it and (laughs) the thing is the way out of this is just to talk about it it's just to bring everything into the light it's that simple you know are we sinners in need of a great savior or not or are we shiny happy people who didn't really need jesus to die on the cross you know no thank you very much my marriage is perfect we, we don't need saving nothing wrong here nothing to see move along and you know that is the that is the problem and i was thinking about why is it that you go into a 12-step room where everyone goes hello i'm a sexaholic uh, you know is there any others in the room and everyone puts their hand up and it's incredible. It's amazing. The, the sense of freedom and joy and love and grace and acceptance in that room, you don't find in churches very often. There is, I think there's something holy in 12-step groups. And I know some people get bent out of shape about 12-step groups because they don't mention God, but you know, higher power. He is working because those people are humbling themselves and saying, I am powerless over my addiction. And that... I need a higher power, I need a mighty savior. Um, And we don't do that in the church. I mean, you know, Paul said he was what the greatest sinner. He actually admitted that and he did some pretty powerful stuff. You know, this is our inherent human nature. This is why Jesus came on the cross. And I think it is far more faithful and a far more powerful testimony for the church to actually stand up and say, well, we don't have a porn problem, but actually to admit that we do have a porn problem, but we have great hope in a mighty savior who will heal us when we just walk in his word, when we walk in the light, when we are 100% honest about who we are. And also proclaim the truth about what he did there is no condemnation for us who are in christ jesus why are we so ashamed about admitting who we really are i do not know a single person when i talk to them about this subject who hasn't got a story of either um, themselves or someone close to them or someone that they know and dearly care about has not who has been who has not been affected by this everybody has got a story every single person has got a story about someone that they know who's affected by this so why are we pretending that it's any different in the church the stats are there it's not and the way out of this is to cease our reputation management and walk as faithful people of Christ and and stop pretending that there are certain sins that separate us from the love of God because that's not true it's not biblical and it's and it's uh it's a false gospel there are no sins there are no sins so why don't we stand up and say that did I go on a box there? I
0: did, didn't I? <laughs> I love it. I just don't know what to say after that. I mean, that's <laughs> that's exactly, uh, you know, um, my goodness, stop worrying about your reputation and worry about restoration in Christ. Um,
1: yeah, fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Why are we – because you asked me, you know, um, does it take courage to do this? If I think about it logically, who am I worried about? Who, who – who are those people that I'm worried about? What are they are going to think of me? Everybody's affected by this thing. I think possibly there are some people in high school who I still want to keep up a little bit of reputation management, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think, but apart from that, it's like, who, who am I trying to impress? You know, there is nobody. And, you know, do I want to be a good and faithful servant? Yeah, I do.
0: So that's exactly, so this podcast, I've had some feedback on it. And we tend to talk about some things that make, uh, Make it uncomfortable to listen, um, but and and I'll be honest with you guys out there listening. It it sometimes makes me uncomfortable to talk about it. Uh, I'll look down a list of of topics that have been sent in, and this is one of them. Spouses in in relationships like this that we need to talk about it. And I'll look and I'm like, well, I can push that one off for another few months. Oh, I should push that one off. Oh, I should put, but but it's like, no, no, I'm going to go find someone and God has led uh, this podcast to each person who needs to speak on this. It's been amazing the people we've had on here in just 12, 13, 14 episodes, whatever it is now um, that this is stuff that people need to hear and it's offered in a safe way but it's offered in a real way. And so I love what you're saying there, but let's just get real, let's talk about it. And it's certainly not oversharing. I mean, you don't need to go out in sackcloth and ashes and beat yourself on Facebook and like, I wanna be authentic, I wanna be real, and this is who I am. Um, I viewed pornography four times in the last week. That's not, I think, what anyone's saying here, but being real and authentic in a safe environment uh, with a mentor, a group, uh, being intentional about where you go, finding community, all these are biblically-based things. Like The Bible has is way ahead of our times, way ahead yeah. of it. It's all already there for you to follow, and there's guidance, but there's also people who have invested their time and their efforts to delve into a specific topic in that, and they can guide you through some of these things and give you a head, you, you can stand on the shoulders of giants and move forward. Um, and I believe you're one of those people through this book, uh, you, you say, Hey, let me help you go to this book and I'll show you some ways that you can be, be restored. There is hope. Yeah. And I love that.
1: And, and, and one thing that I feel that I, I've not um, got across yet is that um, there, is, it's not just about rebuilding. This is about creating something entirely new. This is not about getting your old marriage back minus the pornography. Mm. This is about developing real intimacy with other people in recovery first, and then applying those skills back to your spouse so that you have a level of authenticity, vulnerability, intimacy, closeness, that you never even dreamed existed. This is about getting a marriage that you didn't even know was possible. And that's the goal. It's not about cessation of the behavior. It's about working towards the uh, the marriage that God designed and ordained for you and fighting for it. You know, he, he's there going, I'm ready, I'm ready. But, you know, you have to walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, will cleanse you. You know, there's an if and a when. Like when we walk in the light, that, that's, it's that, that's it. It's that simple. It's not easy, but it's that simple, which is, why i'm so grateful for you bringing up this topic you know and just encouraging others to just inch out of the shadows because you can't come out of the shadows until you know it's safe to come into the light mm. you know and that's what you're doing you're saying this is safe there are places you can go and also it's really cool in the light it's <laughs> really it's really cool
0: well i i think i quoted it one other time on the topic on the uh, podcast or oh, mm. some episode but healing rarely ever occurs in hiding I don't think it can. Um, you know, but that's our instinct is I'm hurt. I'm broken. I need to go somewhere safe and hide and and the darkness does look appealing, but you get in there and it and it's it's a losing lost struggle that that you're never going to win.
1: And that's and that's why we've just got to shift the needle on this because we have, you know, recovery groups, but you have them hidden at other churches so that no one at your church knows that you're going to a recovery group. I mean, <sighs> we're going to have to start. I mean, just looking at those statistics about how many people are suffering, we are going to have to, this is why I say we need God's intervention. We need God's intervention to, you know, he's pushing us up against the Red Sea. We are going to be a position where so many marriages and families are being annihilated because of this thing. We are going to be forced into walking in the light and forced into acting like people of faith who are you know have no condemnation and that's why it's exciting that's why i see it as you know this great divine aikido move where what satan is trying to use to threaten the church god is actually going to go oh i'm going to take your threat and i'm going to twist it and i'm going to make this uh, i'm going to make a people who are incredible light walkers that are going to shine brightly in a very dark world that desperately needs them take that that's why that's why things can happen
0: Oh, I, I love that. There's a there's a, a new song out with Chris Tomlin on, on his album, Chris Tomlin and Friends, where he just talks about, I want to be the moon uh, going around the world. And at first I listened to him like, this is a weird song. Um, but it talks about, I am the moon, I'm nothing, but I light up the darkness merely reflecting the sun. Without the sun, there's no light. Um, and I just love that that image. So we are almost out of time, but I want to ask you a couple more questions, one of which, again, pointing back to the book you talk about women who also struggle with porn and you talk a little bit about, um, you know, the, there's a shift in how we think men are are more visual, but women increasingly so also also are becoming more visual in their attractions. Um, can you, without giving away what you're talking in the book, cause I want people to go to the book and read that section. But what would you say to to that person, that, that woman who is struggling with porn? They seem to be the outlier. This is a man's problem. Um, what would you say to that person and or their spouse who's dealing with this on an inverse?
1: Women are the fastest growing user group. This is an exponentially growing issue and we need to open up this issue Desperately, yes, we need to talk about pornography, but we desperately, desperately need to to open it up in in the church because there is that, as you say, there's this greater level of shame because it's not just that you're, you know, the question that people ask about women who struggle with pornography is not how can we help them? It's why? Why do they do that? Literally, you know, like it's some sort of moral failing on their part that somehow they've been sucked into pornography.
0: The guys we understand, but the girls, my goodness, yeah. what's your problem?
1: What's wrong with them? And, wow. and the women feel that, hmm. um, and that's why I'm so excited of the growing body of research. Um, that shows that women's brains react in exactly the same way to pornography, pornography, internet pornography as guys, they, you know, they both light up like Christmas trees in the same way. We are just as susceptible to becoming addicted because it's not the content. It's the high, it's the high that you're getting addicted to. Um, but there is research that shows that it's even more damaging because of the way that women actually interact with pornography, like men objectify the people in pornography, but women project themselves into the action. So then you are conditioning your arousal template to being abused. So we really need to talk about this. But your question was, what do we say to people? Um, I would say you're not alone. And there is so much help out there. And there are some terrific, terrific ministries out there who are specifically um, catering to you. And I know that there is um, a conference coming up very shortly. It's the first, uh, I think, international online conference specifically. For this, and I don't have the details, but we can link them in the show notes. Yes. Um, and for partners, I would say you—it's—it's uh, it's exactly the same. You are going to need to draw that firm line in the sand, but do it with grace, and do it with understanding, and do it with um, you know hope and. An awareness that they're not wanting to do this, but also an awareness that this is traumatic for you as well. And that you are being affected and this this is affecting your relationship and your intimacy and that you might need to seek help as well. Because, you know, there's this old adage that gets banded around all the time and especially at church, like what a wife doesn't know doesn't hurt her. And it's just not true. It's just not true. You know, partners are always affected. And the same applies to a husband whose wife is addicted. That The numbers are growing I think it's a third of um, a third of all porn users are now women
0: so we're we're just about out of time but like I do every podcast um, I want to give you the opportunity to speak directly to the listener you know they've been listening in they've got some action items here um, or they know someone that they can they can maybe go to and talk to um, but I want to give you an opportunity to talk directly to the listener and if there's something you want to leave them with something that you want them to to remember from this podcast Uh, what, What might that be?
1: I just want to say, I know how overwhelming it all feels at the moment. And I know it's scary and I know it feels hopeless, but I just want to remind you that you're not alone because in our own strength, we can feel like David, small and weak facing a gigantic enemy with nothing more than a slingshot. But I want to remind you that with God on your side, all, you, all David needed to defeat Goliath was to be willing to fight and to re- remember his slingshot. So whatever fronts you're currently fighting porn on, in your marriage, in your kids, in your mind, or possibly all three, all you need is a willingness to fight and a slingshot. With God on your side, fear not. Pack that sling with all the lies and fears that have been holding you back and let it fly walk boldly in the light about all your struggles and confess your sins in full confidence that the battle is already won god will deliver you dazzle you and put praise upon your lips he can do this he's done it for me and countless others so friend sister mom daughter roommate go fight for
0: love i love that um there's a lot to, to go do and think about and write in the journal and talk to your mentor about just from this podcast. Uh, we're going to be giving away um, your book, Rosie, the, uh, the book you wrote fight for love. Um, the link to that is in the show notes if you want to go buy it, but you can also go over to our uh, podcast page on Instagram, Grace story podcast and uh, look up the details that's running all this week. Uh, Rosie, Thank you so much for coming on to the episode for for this week, and thank you for being vulnerable uh, and and being able to talk about this, and and thank you for having the courage to share your story and and minister to others the way God is is using you.
1: Thank you, thank you for this opportunity to to reach women, and I love what you're doing. I think your heart for reaching people is is just amazing.
0: And thank you to the listener for joining in on this episode. Uh, you guys are doing a great job of of sharing the podcast and each episode. The community is growing uh, and more people are joining the conversation uh, each uh, each time we have an episode go out. So once again, we ask that you would uh, share this, uh, this podcast with just one person this week, uh, whether that's a family member, a friend, whoever it may be. If you think they can get help from a particular episode, maybe share that particular episode. Um, share the podcast on your social media pages. Um, you can just click share on whichever app you're listening through, whether that's Spotify or, or iTunes uh, podcast, whatever it may be, Pocket Cast. Just click share and you can share it right through um, the messenger or, or onto uh, your social media pages and it really does make a difference. We love that the community for Grace Story is growing. Um, and it's all because of you. Um, so keep on doing what you're doing, and we'll keep this community growing. If you have topics or or anything you want to talk about, you can email me Nate at GraceStoryMinistries or head on over to Grace Story Podcast on Instagram. We're going to be giving away that book, and there's so much more over there. We'll see you again in two weeks. Until then, we'll be praying for you.